Is it worth it? The Film Review Podcast presents Road to the Oscars. Join me, David Long, on this journey as we talk all things Oscars before the big event, the 94th Academy Awards, on Sunday the 27th of March, 2022. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Road to the Oscars. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of Road to the Oscars. My name is David Long and I am your host. On this episode we have an action-packed show as we discuss and analyse the BAFTAs, the Critics' Choice Awards and take a look at the Director category and what it all means for Oscars Sunday. The road to the Oscars is a long one but we are getting ever closer to our destination with many if not most of the major precursors having now taken place. Two of the key indicators for Oscars Sunday happened on the 13th of March with BAFTA and Critics' Choice both handing out their awards. As always, there were some surprises and some talking points and many of those will be discussed on today's episode. Look, let's be honest, many of these categories are starting to look locked up, but some have been blown wide open and there's controversy to discuss too. After this, we will conclude this episode by looking at the director category and discussing these five directors and the films they have made. Jane Campion looks a slam dunk, but who missed out? Could there possibly be an upset? And how much of an impact will this category have on the best picture race? Stay tuned to find this out and much more. So, as always, get comfy and get ready for Road to the Oscars. So, it is once again great to have another special guest joining me for this episode of Road to the Oscars to discuss all things BAFTA, choice and director is Rotten Tomatoes approved film critic Amy Smith. Amy, we had you on the show last season. It's great to have you back. How are you? I'm doing well. I am very tired. It's been a very busy month between covering <laughs> film festivals, the Oscars, uh, university on top of that, but it's great to be here. Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted to to have you here. I love following you on on Twitter. I I, I know how busy you are. Um, and before we dive into today's show, I just wanted to say how brilliant it's been to see how well you're doing, all the projects you've got going on. Um, please do tell the lovely listener what has happened for you recently, and also how people can follow you and all of your work. Yeah, so I was kind of all over the place. I was entering 2022 and not knowing what the hell was going on. Um, since then, I've been on the Mike, Mike and Oscar podcast twice. Mm. I've been promoted to awards editor over at In Session Film. I have been picked up by Matt Negley of the Next Best Picture podcast, so I'm now a staff writer over there. Um, I've been wrapping up my duties as editor-in-chief of a uni newspaper. Our final edition's coming out this week, and I'll be done with that when I graduate. And as you said, it start rotten tomatoes um yeah yeah that came quite as a shock because i did not expect it considering how many people i knew that didn't get in so a nice welcome surprise for sure 
Yeah, um, I just want to say congratulations for all of that. I love following all your stuff. Um, so, dear listener, please do make sure you follow uh, Amy. Do you just want to give your um, where people can follow, you know, Instagram, Twitter, whatever that may be? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Films with Amy. That's when you'll see most of my posts. Fantastic. Make sure you follow Amy. Um, she's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, and congratulations for the two... Um, episodes with Mike Mike and Oscar friends of mine as well and yours great guys and always really enjoyed listening to your BAFTA predictions there the last episode you were on so where do we begin um well Sunday the 13th of March was a busy day for us award season pundits but also a hugely influential day do forgive me um for these Oscar uh, races you know things are beginning to now look a lot clearer and some of these categories, I would say, are looking pretty sewn up. You know, they're tied up with a knot and a neat bow. We will discuss critic choice shortly, but I thought we would start on home turf with BAFTA. So, Rebel Wilson hosted the 75th BAFTA Awards, and the show started by celebrating 60 years of Bond before the sensational Shirley Bassey gave a wonderful rendition of, excuse me, I'm going to do a Shirley Bassey impression, Diamonds Are Forever. I do apologise, which (laughs) I just wanted to say I really enjoyed. And then, for me, well... It went steadily downhill with several accidents on the way. I don't think it was a total write-off car crash, but it was painful viewing at times. Now, before I go on a rant, I'm wondering if Amy can balance my opinion out. Amy, before we get on to who won and why, etc., what did you make of the 75th BAFTAs? How was the show for you? I actually didn't mind this show, and I think part of it probably comes down to the fact that we haven't really had a chance to see any of the shows in like mm. two years aside from the Oscars because unless you want to stay up till 2, 3 a.m., you don't usually stay up for these sort of shows in the UK. You don't even have a way of really watching them yes. aside from the Oscars. And last year, the BAFTAs was split over two nights. We got the results live. The first night was more sitting down, technical talk, which I actually really enjoyed. I think we really got a showcase those crafts which mm. was missing in this show i think the biggest letdown was actually the awards part because not at the fault of a bafta this kind of a fault of a critic's choice having it on the same night meant a lot of people despite having a location a location in london yeah chose to stay in the u.s so we got a couple of really great speeches ariana debose and troy kotzer in particular stand out for me mm. but we didn't get a speech from will smith we didn't get a speech from jane campion we didn't get a speech from paul thomas anderson and that really drained the energy of the second half of the show when all these people were winning and it's like oh we're not here mm. so we're going to have somebody accept on their behalf and that really let it down. I will be in defense of Rebel Wilson. I don't think she was as bad. I don't think she's as bad as people made out. There were a couple of jokes in there that, yeah, weren't great. Will Smith one in particular. I was mm. like, oof, you should have cut that out, BBC. But it's a different tone than what we're used to. And I think that's why people are so about the BAFTAs this mm. year. We are used to the whole prestigious royal families there, Stephen Fry's up hosting. But considering how few guests were actually there and considering they had to fill the time, I think making it a lighter show 
worked for the situation that we are currently in. Mm. And I think that also reflected in the winners with Licorice Pizza doing well, with Coda doing extremely well, as we'll talk about later on. I don't know. I think it was a necessary shift this year for the BAFTAs. Yeah, I think you've made some interesting points. And I have to say, I mean, I think we're going to agree a lot in this show. If we don't, it could be quite lively. Um, um, <laughs> I So I thought the Bond montage and the Shirley Bassey opening was, was really, really strong. And I was invested. But then Rebel Wilson, and I am going to defend her slightly. Um, I thought she was really hit and miss. But when she missed, she missed big, is what I would say. Now, I do feel slightly sorry for her because BAFTA, as you said, is a tough crowd. And I do think what she did was she went for a style of humour more suited to something like, say, the Golden Globes. Now, at the Golden Globes, you've got a sit-down meal with lots of booze. And I want to emphasise that when I say lots of booze. You know, everyone's lost their inhibitions a bit. It's, it's fair game. You know, we've seen Ricky Gervais smash this out of the park multiple times. BAFTA is much more formal, and I just think they got the tone totally wrong. Like, they had these, like you said, pretty hard-hitting, cringy jokes, some of them, and some of them maybe a bit inappropriate. And then they had Prince William in the middle of the show in, like, a pre-recorded video. Um, And that was really weird, and actually, it just didn't work, that sort of contrast of humour and then royalty. And then it's really funny you say about the BBC should have cut the Will Smith joke, I didn't know if you know this. I don't know if you knew this, sorry. Um, I was reading an article earlier um, that actually said two of Rebel Wilson's uh, jokes were cut um, from the show. Did you you know that? No, I didn't. So, yeah, two of them um, were cut. I found out what one of them was, so forgive me, I am going to say what it was. Um, One was about that terrible 007 tattoo um, which she had, and she basically said, it looks like the word Lou, but I know what I'd rather sit on. Um, obviously referring to Daniel Craig. Now, look, that's dark and controversial, but then to cut the joke, it doesn't make sense to me. It's 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 either you're going to go for that sort of edgy, controversial humour, or you're going to go more traditional BAFTA. And to cut the joke, to me, just seems bizarre because they must have known it was going to be in the show. So then to cut it is somewhat odd. Um, what did you think of the Benedict Cumberpatch cake sketch? Yeah, that was one that kind of went by me. I think a couple of the gags were good. I really liked the one about the cinema, but that's also because I really liked the fact that BAFTA hammered in the message of go to the cinema, mm. go and support these businesses. Yes. Um, yeah, I could have dealt with one or two less gags, but then again, <laughs> what would have filled it? An award in which somebody didn't turn up to accept the prize? Yeah. Which is what seemed like, it, it felt like it was at half the show. Mm. It was just a real dilemma. And like I said, I don't blame BAFTA. I blame Craig's Choice for that overlap. Yeah, I mean, Critics' Choice and BAFTA being on the same night was certainly... I would say it was bad for both awards ceremony, and we will um, get on to Critics' Choice, obviously, after the BAFTA. But one other little moan I wanted to have was, okay, so the, the Benedict Cumberpatch cake joke was okay. I personally thought it fell a bit flat. But what on earth was the bra chucking about? <laughs> 
Do you know what I mean? Now, if you didn't see the show, we had a bag of bras which she threw into the audience as some sort of Rebel Wilson Award kind of thing. And I'm sorry, I've got to make two quick points here. One, the show is only two hours and we don't see all the awards. Do we really have time for two minutes of Rebel Wilson throwing her undergarments into the audience, this confused and horrified audience? And two... Quickly, I want to say, and we'll touch upon this again, I think the show should be longer. Um, I think it should be live. Um, but finally, I think you made a good point that there were some good speeches. I thought Troy Kotzer was... That man is just the most wonderful human being on the planet. Um, and he did do some... He, he gave a speech that was empowering and motivational and inspiring and I'd like to see more of that and less of the lists as well I hate people when they list names to me it's like talk to them afterwards use this platform for a positive message um before we move on to the awards themselves another question do you think BAFTA and I've got some pretty strong opinions on this do you think BAFTA needs to change up how it airs this show are you with me in the sense that one it should be longer and two it should be live I think it should go back to the way it was last year where we had the two separate days. Oh, wow. So we had a show on Saturday, which was more chill. Like I said, it wasn't a live audience. It was because of COVID. Everyone's sort of zooming in, but they would take a chance to say, right, here's best cinematography and here's why these nominees were picked by us. Mm. And they gave full descriptions of the, like, the craftsmanship of it. And then they awarded it and they still got their speech. Yeah. And it meant that people who were more interested in just screenplay acting directing got to have a show on sunday it was a big spectacle it was two hours back then it was live as well last mm. year you need to make it live but i think having it split over two days gives the best of both worlds where you still have the entertainment but you award all of the awards live yeah i think i, I obviously didn't know what you were going to say there i think that's an exciting <sighs> an exciting idea because you know the, the way i look at this is we're obviously in the same boat here. We love film. We love celebrating film. So I had some ideas of, I don't know whether this year, the, do you know if the red carpet was shown live at all? Like on the iPlayer? Or, YouTube. It was on YouTube. YouTube. Good. So yes, show the red carpet live. I think the show should be slightly longer. Um, and I think there should be multiple hosts. I now understand why the Oscars has gone down the multiple host route because one host, if it starts to go wrong, it can be really tough for them. And I did have a feeling, actually, looking at Rebel Wilson halfway through that show, I don't know if you had a sense that she felt a little bit defeated, that she was playing to a tough crowd. Um, and look, I just think make BAFTAs a real big celebration, you know, make it have a bigger after party, get more people there. Um, and and. <sighs> There is a problem, and we won't dive too much into it at the moment, with award shows. I think all award shows are struggling, and I'm certainly not the man to get it out of these problems. But I think one thing you have to do is you have to appeal to your base. Me, you, all the other people that I've had on the show, the people that follow the podcast, and Mike, Mike and Oscar, and um, Next Best Picture. Those core fans, you've got to try and please them. So, before I explode... <laughs> 
I think we will move on to what actually won. Uh, Dune had the most wins, taking home a total of five BAFTAs. It won for cinematography, special effects, sound, score and production design. And I'm briefly just going to run through a couple of the main categories and before we come on to a little bit of analysis. Ariana DeBose won Supporting Actress. Kotzer won Supporting Actor. Was so pleased for him. Um, Cody Smith-McPhee was the betting favourite. So... I predicted Troy Kotzer. I was convinced he was going to win, and he did, which I was pretty happy with. Will Smith also beat the betting favourite. Cumberbatch was expected to win um, a BAFTA here. Um, Joanna Scanlon won for lead actress. Um, in a really great selection of nominees, none of which, however, were nominated for the Oscar. So I don't know about you, Amy, but that just gave me a real headache. Um, <laughs> trying to, you know, BAFTA, what does it mean? Well, for actress, it means nothing for the Oscars. Um, and then finally, Outstanding British Film was won by Belfast. Campion um, won director and the power of the dog won best film that's a quick recap of some of the main categories but there was also plenty to talk about in the screenplay categories for example and many others now before i bore the listener to death what did you think of the winners of the night was there anything that particularly stood out for you as as a shock well, I did really poorly in my ballot. <laughs> I think I, I stuck quite safe and safe ended up being not the way hmm. to go here. Um, I went Cody for supporting oh, really? actor. I went, I went, yeah, I thought Cody was going to win here and then Kotzer be the critic's choice and then would be a race, but never, I prefer Kotzer anyway, so I'm happy about that. Um, I went Benedict for actor. I went Lady Gaga for actress. Oh, wow. um, I went Belfast for screenplay I, it was not a good night for my ballot but I was overall really ha I think my biggest shock is how badly Belfast did for a British mm. voting body this should have been the place where Belfast could boost its score and instead it only won British film which is kind of inconsequential to the Oscars um, yes it's gonna have a hard time even with the Crick's Choice wins it's gonna have a hard time sort of pulling back momentum mm. um, in terms of happiest to see probably Kotzer um, I've been rooting for Kotzer for this entire season and it finally seems like people are realising that Kotzer is the one that's going to win because we all predicted him for SAG and everyone was like, oh no, just wait and see, it could still be a race. There's no race no, anymore. It's over. Kotzer has won. So, yeah, overall, I, like, if I was putting money on it, I would have a really unhappy wallet, but <laughs> I am happy with, I am very happy with the results. So. A really unhappy wallet. Well, welcome <laughs> to my world, Amy. Um Shout out to uh, Mike One there, who probably can also um, relate. Yeah, uh, for me, I was delighted with Kotz's win. Um, I did predict it. Uh, I did tip it at five to two on my Twitter. Um, but it was really interesting because I didn't actually have a bet on, on the BAFTAs because my fingers have been burnt far too many times. But it was interesting how the second favourite in a lot of these categories were winning. Will Smith over, over Cumberbatch. You know, I think that Oscar race is now over. Um, oh, it's over. I'm Again, I make myself look like a bit of a fraud because I was... 
Firstly, I was banging the Lady Gaga drum about how she was going to win her Oscar. And then I was like, don't rule Cumberbatch out. He's going to win at BAFTA. He's going to win at Choice. That looks a cooked goose. Um, Smith looks... Well, Smith will win. Um, I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist to to predict that. I thought Coda in adapted screenplay was a real shock. Um, mm-hmm. That was actually fourteen to one. So if you'd have had a tenner on that, you would have you would have won one hundred and forty quid. Um, obviously, Pizza beat Belfast in original screenplay. Um, I thought Dune had a solid night. Sort of did what it needed to do. How do you think that will transfer to the Oscars? Because every. Everyone's got their... Do you have a number for Dune? How many Oscars do you think it might win? I'm currently at five. Five. The five that won at BAFTA. Yeah. Um, but two of them are close. I think production design is still incredibly close between that and Nightmare Alley. Mm. Um, I think it's got visual effects locked up, score locked up, sound locked up. It's just a matter of the other ones. And God, who knows of editing? <laughs> yeah, well, that... <laughs> That brings me on to my sort of next point. So, No Time to Die won editing. And that that race is absolutely bonkers because it, I believe King, King Richard and Tick Tick Boom won at the Ace Edits. Yes. Then we'll get on to Critics' Choice shortly. And we do have a question, actually, that was tweeted into us, which we'll answer later. So I won't go on to that now. But that category is, is absolute chaos. Um, but overall, from... From the from the BAFTAs, what win do you think will have the biggest impact on the Oscars race? Do you think it's that um, in the screenplay categories? Because, you know, in the introduction, I said I, I think they've been blown wide open. Or am I reading a bit too much into that? If there's going to be a shift, it is in the screenplay categories, yeah. especially with what BAFTA did. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, the, the, I think the screenplay categories sort of have been um opened you know they 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 the favorite lost in both um so that was that was obviously quite surprising or, or wasn't didn't go to plan if you're a favorite backer and we touched upon it earlier but do do you think because on this podcast I remember my first episode with Max Joseph I described this and I think other pundits did as well as a three-headed monster between um the power of the dog and Belfast and West Side Story, and th- then Coda jumped in, so we had this sort of four-headed, diabolical creature sort of roaming around. Do you think Belfast is now dead? Like, do you think its best picture chances are just gone? Yeah, I do. I also think West Side Story is kind of gone. Mm. For me, my number two, which may surprise you, is King Richard. Now, it, I... I yeah, it surprises me somewhat, but it could win editing. Could win editing is going to win lead actor and it maxed out in nominations. Very valid points. Um, do, do you know what? And I just, what I really want is I want there to be something different at the Producers Guild of America. That's what I'm really longing for, whether it's a King Richard win or a Coda win or a Belfast um, I just want something to shake it up because I sort of was thinking in the when preparing this episode and in the pre-show, like we could be in a situation where Dog wins PGA, it possibly could win editing, and we'll know that before the telecasters even come on, mm-hmm. and then will it just be a case of well, that's it, the Oscars is, it's Oscars is done, we can all just go home. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, we were in the same situation last year and it's part of award fatigue, especially when you've got a season that is as this season mm. in terms of a gap between nomination and winner is longer than last year. I think that's why a lot of us are getting impatient. A lot of us are trying to create narratives and I I still don't see how power loses mm. even if something else wins PGA. Oh really? I I'm I don't I'm not predicting it. Power got the most nominations. It got a nomination in production design and sound. <laughs> that film is embraced by every branch of the Academy. Mm. Something that not any other film had. Mm. Coda could not even scrape a song nomination. Which was surprising. Yeah. Um <sighs> I, I, I totally share your... Because there's two parts of the coin here. Like The first part for me is I can't believe the Oscars are like... I think it's 11 days away. Um, and the second part of the coin is it's taken so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And Yes. I just... I want something... I don't look. I want chaos. Is what I want. I want someone different to win PGA. I want the race to be blown wide open. I want it to be a more appealing betting market because at one to two, I put two hundred pounds on to win a hundred pounds or twenty to win ten. I'm not backing the power of the dog because I just think it's. I would just be vomiting all night, worrying. Um, so that's a little roundup of. Um, of BAFTA, I think we touched upon editing there. We'll touch upon that later. Um, let's move on to critics' choice. Now, um, we do have, is it worth it? Does have uh, listeners in the US of A. Uh, so if you watch the critics' choice, um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, but I was tucked up in bed. Um, I think uh, Amy was also got an early night, so I didn't watch this. But obviously, we do know the results. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast. Um, but I listened to Mike, Mike and Oscar today and, you know, they said the critics choice was a bit of a mess. They said it was it felt rushed and clunky and their actual words were it was a really rough ride with some poor jokes and many absolutely bombing. Now, we obviously can't comment on the show itself, um, but let's have a look at the results. And just on the back of that, I would say if the critics choice was a rough watch and so was the BAFTA. This isn't doing the award season much many favours. Um, we can't really comment on the show itself. Um, but what did you make of the winners of Critics' Choice? I have such a problem with the way the Critics' Choice is run because it's so clear now they are only interested in predicting the Oscars and not rewarding mm-hmm. the winners. Like... Who I, I tweeted this out. Who would have thought Belfast would win more Critics' Choice Awards than the BAFTAs? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Mm. And I say this as I love Belfast. I have had enough of people just tweeting, especially since it's not winning at Best Picture anymore. You guys can leave Belfast alone. It is a good movie. It's most likely not <laughs> winning anything now. So can mm. we just stop with just tweeting really horrible things about this innocent little film. Other than that, how did Christian Stewart lose a Critics' Choice Award? How mm. did Andrew Garfield or Benedict Cumberbatch lose a Critics' Choice Award? I just don't get it. I don't get what the voting system is here. And it's honestly, I, I also said this, I think if a Critics' Choice continues to only care about predicting 
that leaves room for something like the Hollywood, the Hollywood Critics Awards or like Hollywood Critics Association to come mm. in and be the true voice for critics. Because you see their lineup of winners for this year and the show that they hosted. And it was really good for something that doesn't even have a telecast. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I had... I've got quite a few thoughts on the, on the critics choice like I said obviously I couldn't watch it live um which really frustrates me in the UK like if 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 they if they charged for it I'd pay um and I'd watch it um but but you've hit the nail on the head and one of the questions I was going to ask you is is the critics choice just trying to predict the Oscars and you've you've answered that and I think this is a real problem a real problem because if you look at the critic circles, particularly Kristen Stewart, she was, if you look at the all the critics associations when you have like a list of them, the list goes on and on and on. She was knocking it out of the park. Everyone go back two months before she missed SAG or, or six weeks, forgive me, time eludes me, but go back in your time machine a little while. Everyone was saying Kristen Stewart is going to win the Oscar, this and that. Critics' Choice looks an absolute slam dunk lock. Suddenly, SAG goes Chastain. And all the critics are like, well, we better vote Chastain because it looks like she's going to win the Oscar. And if we have an awards season structure where everyone is just trying to predict the Oscars, that is not an awards season that's going to excite people. You know, one of the most exciting categories, or it was one of the most exciting categories, was actress because it was different. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, like I said earlier, I'm not the man to solve this problem. But having the Critics' Choice just try and predict the Oscars is clearly an issue. And so, how much impact do you think Choice has then compared to BAFTA and the Guilds? It's going to be hard to say, but I think, like, take the screenplay categories, for example. I think Licorice Pizza and Coda got a much bigger boost from the BAFTA than Belfast and Power did from Craig's Choice. I think that's a, probably the best example you can give. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I think you're right. And, um, you know, Bel- it was quite funny because I tweeted Belfast was dead. I, I and, and then literally I think... I was just falling off to sleep and flicking through Twitter, checking the results, and Belfast won Best Acting Ensemble at Choice, and I thought, oh, that's annoying. Does that does that just keep it alive? Um, then The Power of the Dog comes out and wins Adapted Screenplay. Then we've got the chaos of West Side Story wins <laughs> Editing, but he's not even nominated at the Oscars. Um, Chastain obviously won Best Actress. She is now the the betting market has been utter carnage in the in the lead actress. From Kristen Stewart has been favourite, Chastain has been favourite, Kidman has been favourite, Chastain is favourite now. And yeah, I think Kristen Stewart is 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 baffling. Her success in those critic circles, like she needed to win this, but it feels like the Critics' Choice is trying to just predict those Oscars. I was really delighted to see Mitchell's versus the Machines um, win the Critics' Choice. Um, and it also won uh, the anime, the anime, <laughs> the Annie for best animated feature. Um, do you think that gives Mitchell's versus the Machines a chance against Encanto, or are you still putting Encanto on your ballot? 
Oh, I'm still putting Encanto. Like, this might be a little bit of a bias because Encanto is actually my favorite. No, wow. Flea is my favorite animated film of the year, but I'm pushing that in documentary. So I'm going for Encanto for animated personally. But even with the situation happening over at Disney in Florida, I think it's too strong at this point. And it did win the BAFTA. Mm. Yes, it did. I, I know... Um... Andrew Morgan of the Nomcast will be listening. I just wanted to give him hope. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> because I, I'm going to touch upon it later, so I won't. I won't um, say too much now. But the betting does still suggest no. Um, the Mitchells versus the Machines has got a, a real uphill battle. Something else I wanted to say um, in terms of critics' choice was just Ari Wegner uh, is the first woman ever to win cinematography at the Critics' Choice and. How how are you viewing the cinematography category come Oscars Sunday? Is that I mean, are you are you still thinking Dune takes that category? I don't know. It's Dune versus Power of a Dog, mm. and I would really hope that Netflix would spend at least a little bit of money pushing the fact that this would be a historic moment for cinematography if she got mm. it. It's very much if they do want to reward Power with as much as they can. And they think, oh, Dune's going to win five or six anyway. We can push Mm. one along that way. If anything, it should be Tragedy on Macbeth. I don't know why that is not being considered more, but I think between the two, I don't know. I don't even have a preference between the two. I'm I'm happy regardless of who it goes to. I mean, we disagreed at the start of the show, but we are now (laughs) dancing in harmony, a beautiful harmony, because the Tragedy of Macbeth, I think... Forget this year, I think most years, mm-hmm. that, that should be winning cinematography. That film is visually astounding. You know, you can... I, when, when it comes out on DVD, I'm buying it because I just want to pause it and, and soak each individual frame of that in. I mean, the, the betting is fascinating for the uh, cinematography category. Dune is a 1 to 10 favourite, which pretty much means 1 in every 10 years it's going to win. The Power of the Dog is actually the second favourite. Um, from a betting perspective, I would much rather have a bet um, on The Power of the Dog. And like you said, it's going to be interesting to see how many coattails The Power of the Dog gets. Um, and many of those coattails could come in that pre-recorded um, segment, which is obviously going to be leaked on Twitter. I think that will then be quite informative um, in terms of the rest of the the race to come um but yeah overall i think the critics choice was <sighs> trying to predict the oscars it sounded like it had a bit of a troubled telecast um which is disappointing because we want to see these award ceremonies being successful we want to see them um championing good film and we want to see people viewing in because ultimately we want to see people watching the Oscars and um, watching movies. Now, um, that's our quick, somewhat quick half an hour (laughs) recap of BAFTA and Choice. Um, And great to have Amy on for that. But one of the real reasons I wanted Amy on this episode was to dive in to director. And I'm hoping Amy has really got fired up for this because this (laughs) is a somewhat baffling category in, in some respects. Now, 
Where do we begin with director? Well, I think the first thing to say is this category looks a little bit like a slam dunk lock. Now, I don't like to say that because that can really bite you on the arse and really come back to haunt you. But this is the kind of, you know, sell the house and bet it on Jane Campion kind of category. But I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute and try and stir the pot. Um, and what I'll do is before we... Um, get Amy's opinion on this category, we will just let you know the nominees. And the nominees in betting order are Jane Campion, who is 1 to 25, minus 2,500. Obviously, we've got Kenneth Branagh at 14 to 1. Paul Thomas Anderson at 25 to 1. Ryosuke Hamaguchi, 33 to 1. And Steven Spielberg is actually 40 to 1. So if you understand betting, you understand that basically you have to bet a lot of money to win a little money on Jane Campion. You know, Steven Spielberg at 40 to 1 shows you how much of a strong favourite Campion is. There are obviously different prices in different books, but that gives you an idea. Now, I'm hoping for a controversial answer. So, Amy. What did you make of these nominations in this category? Overall, really strong, but there is one omission that I am mm. still frustrated at. If anyone knows me, they know my favourite film of the year is Dune. I think that is a technical masterpiece. I think you'll look at the fact they got 10 nominations. Mm. 10 nominations at the Oscars. Uh, and apparently the director is not good enough to get in, despite the fact that it's his name all over the project. It's his passion project. And oh, I, I've already gotten so mad <laughs> over this, over so many different conversations. Um, I did a live reaction of the nominations at Next Best Picture when they were being revealed. And my my jaw was on the floor. I, mm. I was like... I was, it was a limbo because my second favourite film of the year is Drive My Car. So to mm. see Hamaguchi here, I am very, very happy about. But I don't know if it's at the expense of Villeneuve. And yeah, he'll get part two. We know that. But, oh, how? How did this happen? I, I want to know how this happened. <laughs> I want to know how this happened. Because everyone's saying, oh, everyone thought he was safe. Why did Campion not miss in? If she was the safest mm. bet, I don't see how that logic works out. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, really good, but that it's just a real sour note right there. Do you know what? I, th I, I totally, again, I agree with you because I think it's, it's borderline insanity to have a film nominated for 10 Oscars, particularly in a lot of the tech categories. And then, and, and the person who has pieced this, massive project together this what many people i'm pretty sure referred to as like the unworkable project mm -hmm. how do you take those books or book forgive me i don't know is it a series of books or one book? well he started with the original book and he's only about a third of the way in there is other books mm. other than that but i think this is mainly focusing on the, the main book yeah yeah so he's he's obviously got that source material he smashed this out the park i saw um dune in imax and honestly, it's very rare that I I go to the cinema a lot. And the same as you, you know, some films just hit you a little bit different. And Dune hit me. I'm not 
if you regular listeners of the show will know I'm not a big sci-fi kind of guy. Mm. I much prefer like a gritty drama. So I was a big fan of like Spencer and ultimately I was a big fan of The Power of the Dog. Um, and Dune wasn't something I was really excited about. But my God, that film really was, like you said, I don't know if you described it as a masterpiece, but it's a damn good piece of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. The way it's been put together, uh, the way it leaves you, you know, wanting more. And then at the end, you sit in the cinema and you've got that Hans Zimmer score. And people, and I've seen this narrative online, you know, people are saying, well, he'll, he'll get nominated and he'll win for part two, but nothing's guaranteed in mm -hmm. life. Do you know what I mean? And yes. it's a bit like, well, let's not, Let's not look too far ahead. Let's actually reward him for what he's done now. Why can't he be nominated for what he's done with this film? Forget part two. Um, and I know there's that Lord of the Rings narrative where you award the film. And, and, and like I said, if I've said on my show before, if, if Dune was a one-parter, I think it would be a real best picture contender. But that's a different conversation. Um, but no, I was... Um, I was annoyed like you about the uh omission of um dennis villanueva um <laughs> as i know ryan mccade calls him um next question i sort of know the answer but i want to play devil's advocate is there in a multi-universe theory is there any chance anyone can beat campion and i know the answer but i'm going to ask the question anyway nope <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> i think I don't even know if I brand a second at this point, to be honest, because mm. I, the, the Belfast train's just completely, completely dropped, and you don't watch that film and fake director. If there's no. any one of these five films that I could look at and say that is directed really, really well, I'd probably go Spielberg. West Side Story wasn't my favourite film. I need to revisit it. I had issues primarily with the lead story and a certain guy who I won't mention... But you can't deny the craft within that film. And I think a lot of that does mm. come down to Spielberg. Yeah. I mean, again, what Spielberg's got there is he's got a previous Best Picture winner. Mm -hmm. um, one of the most adored films of all time. You know, people still look on that like on a mantelpiece as one of, you know, a piece of cinematic history. If anyone could do a good job with it, it was Spielberg. And I think he did do a great job. Um, would you have Spielberg at two then? Would, would, would yeah. that be your... Yeah, yeah, Wow. Because I was also surprised looking at the betting. He's the rank outsider at 40 to one. I mean, blimey, a tenner on that would win you £400 and we'd all be dancing. Um, <laughs> oh, you may have answered the question, but what was your favourite piece of direction this year? Was it Villeneuve? It was Villeneuve, yeah. Wow. Without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I'd actually say my second one would possibly be Pablo Lorraine, Lorraine for Spencer. I think that is a really tough text to translate on the big screen and the way that he did it. It blew me. It, it was either you loved it or you hated it, but I was just mm. blown away by it. Yeah. Um, again, I think in a in a different world, in a different season, maybe if released in a different year... Spencer could have had a much better um, awards campaign with score for Greenwood and maybe cinematography. And when I reviewed Spencer, I was like, this has got to get a costume nom, surely. Like, it's like Cruella, the amount of costumes mm -hmm. that you've got in, in Spencer there. Um, so I'm trying to play devil's advocate. From these nominees, does Campion deserve to win? 
out of the five, yeah, I would say so. I'd still say Villanova should be there and should be winning. But if I had a ballot mm. within this five, I would go with Campion. I think what she did with this story, what, both in terms of the screenplay and in terms of a direction, was spectacular. I'm still like, I wasn't totally wrapped up with the film in my first watch. I need to still do a second watch. Mm. But it's always lingered around in my head, which is something not a lot of these best picture contenders has actually done done where it's just mm. kind of stuck with me i'm like i need to <laughs> it's like an itch and i just need to watch a film to try and get mm. rid of it and to just piece it all together mm. well i i totally agree i i've said this on road to the oscars before i somewhat regret my original review of the power of the dog where i said look the first 20 minutes i it felt to me like a best picture winner but then it felt, and I said to you in the pre-show, like a like a, a goddamn petrol lawnmower that you had to keep pulling, and it was just like <laughs> choking. I was like, "Come on, we need some we need some pace here, and please inject some pace into this bloody film." But once you get to the end goal and you know what happens at the end, when you revisit it, it is a satisfying rewatch. And of all the films this year, and this is credit to to Jane Campion, um, it does really sit with you. It's quite haunting. The ending is quite haunting and it, it does really sort of linger in the mind. And we'll stick with the theme of, of Jane Campion. What did you make of Sam Elliott's comments about the power of the dog? Uh, completely out of touch and disrespectful. Um yeah, I, I don't want to give too much time to this because, frankly, he does not deserve the time to have it. But same with Campion's response at the correct choice. Uh, that's been resolved now. People can... I think, I genuinely believe that her comments were meant with good intention, but she just completely messed it up on the stage. Mm. And whilst it's not for any of us to sort of accept whether we accept her apology or not, I think she's done a lot better handling that than quite a few people have this awards season. <laughs> yeah. No, I I, um, I totally agree with you. I think, I put it this way, I think what Sam Elliott said was a tough listen. And yeah, I don't think we'll give too much time to that. Um, so obviously we've had a look at BAFTA, we've had a look at Choice, we've had a little study of director and I think, you know, I've tried to play devil's advocate. I've tried to stir the pot. But look, you... And final question, Campion... I, f I forgot to, to look this up, but she's hit everywhere, hasn't she? Yep. Pe you know, she won Director's Guild. Mm -hmm. she's, she's she's not missed. She's not missed. She's not missed. It's it's over, folks. Um, Campion uh, looks like winning... Well, Campion will win Best Director. It's Bet House win... Pencil, as uh, Mike, Mike and Oscar would say. Um, what I did this morning and to round the show off, um, I put a, a tweet out asking you guys to hit us up with some questions. And we've got a couple of good questions, actually. Um, one of them we we will briefly touch on. We've sort of answered it. But um, so this, this first question comes from Matthew Anderson. And he asked, despite Dune losing at BAFTA, Critics' Choice and Ace Eddie... Who are you predicting to win film editing and why? Amy. Yeah, the only thing is that it's the only one to have been nominated in everything. And you Very have you have that sound stat, which that's what broke me last year for editing because I didn't follow it. I went trial. I thought it was a more predictable editing choice and you had Sound of Metal winning. Yeah. 
I know I pr should probably go, right, it's not going to fail me again. I'm going to go Dune. I'm tempted. I'm looking at the dock here. I'm tempted to go 12 to 1, tick, tick, boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, yeah, I. that's... <laughs> You know, Dune was a really short-priced favourite to win this category, and it's obviously got weaker and weaker and weaker. It's even money now, which basically means bet ten pounds, win ten pounds, get twenty pounds back, so you double your money. King Richard is three to one. The Power of the Dog is four to one. Amy tips up, tick tick, boom, at twelve to one. We're all going to be rich, and I think of all of them, Don't Look Up is the one we could probably both agree can't win. Yeah, it's the least likely to win for sure. My so, my logic with Tick Tick Boom, like, it already won the Ace Eddie, so it has mm. that. It's the showiest performance, and it's so weird that this film, which only has actor otherwise, yes. made it into this list. It sticks out, but I think it sticks out in a way that could help it. Mm. No, I, I, you know, when I was looking at these, and from the from a gambling perspective. It's not a category that I would... Sometimes I'm really confident. Like, my Troy Kotzer at BAFTA, mm -hmm. I just really believed that he was going to win and i you know, willing to put a few quid on it. And if I lose, I lose. With this category, I could be persuaded any of four ways. But to answer the gentleman's question, who are you predicting to win film editing and why? I think The Power of the Dog could win film editing. And I think, sadly, we could see... Power of the Dog win PGA. Um, we could find out before the show it's one editing. And like I said earlier in the show, you know, we can all go home, it's finished. Why do I think it will win? Well, I think it's superbly edited, um, for one, which helps. <laughs> Stupid point, David. Um, but I think Power of the Dog could have a really good night. Um, I think it's got a lot of coattails that it could pick up, you know, uh, on the undercard as well. Um, so I hope that answered your question, uh, Matthew. The second question comes from Luke. I'll answer it first, and then Amy may or may not want to chip in with something. Do you think Jane Campion's ill-judged speech at the Critics' Choice Award will damage her chance of winning at the Oscars? Um, no, is the simple answer. Um, in a close race, maybe it does some damage, but she's so far ahead, and he's referring to the moment where... Jane Campion seemed to sort of put down the Venus, Venus and Serena Williams, which I, I don't know what her intention was, but it didn't come across well. And I just want to use this platform to say, you know, Venus and Serena are two incredible women. What they've done for the sport of tennis, what they've done for their community, the way they've inspired people to sort of have someone win an award and then sort of take shots at you was a little bit odd. Was there anything you wanted to add on that? Uh, not plus the fact she's apologised now. I think yeah, it's like true. it's been so, not brushed over, but I think we've got more important things to sort of focus on now. And yeah. I think if it's going to impact her, it'll be in the adapted screenplay race because that is where we've actually got some competition. But she's wow. so far out in director, I, I wouldn't worry. Yes, no, uh, I think we're both in consensus there. Uh, the second question from Luke was, when award season started, did you foresee Will Smith sweeping? Amy? Uh, nope, I didn't have him at BAFTA. Uh, Luke, no. Um, <laughs> you, you were on the show with me and I predicted Cumberbatch to win BAFTA and Choice. So, uh, no, I, I didn't I didn't have... Um, I didn't have Will sweeping. And the next question is from my dear 
former well former and t- future co-host as well Craig Fields um he's come to the dark side Amy um and he's asked I've got 10 pounds where should my money go to get the biggest returns and the first thing I have to say is Craig I'm sorry to hear you only have 10 pound buddy um <laughs> it's it's probably not wise to bet with your last 10 pound but here goes I'm going for animated feature and we did speak about this a little bit earlier um, and Kanto is the one to four minus four hundred betting favorite. The Mitchells versus the Machines is ten to one. Flea is ten to one. Luca is eighteen to one. And Raya and the Last Dragon is forty to one. Look, I just think the Mitchells and the Machines ten to one is a is a good price for a Critics Choice and any animated feature winner. Look, Craig, if you bet ten pounds, you will win a hundred and get a hundred and ten pound back, and I will take a cut of that. Um, Amy, obviously, we haven't got all the betting odds in front of us, but if you had to make a a really ballsy prediction, is there any particular category where you think at the Oscars there could be sort of one of the outsiders cause a real big surprise? Like I'm thinking cinematography. You know, we spoke about tragedy and Macbeth. Could that cause an upset? Do you think there's a a category where there could be a big shock? I think my best bet is still the editing one, but that's because it's so open, going for tick, tick, mm. boom. Otherwise, I think BAFTA may have killed it, but I think there is a small chance Flea could still take it in documentary over Summer of Soul. I don't know what the bettings are on that, but I'm, I'd be pretty sure Summer of Soul is the leading favourite. I just don't see how yeah. a film that's made that much noise that has three nominations mm. that is about the refugee situation something that we are currently having to deal with right now yes I goes away empty-handed and it's easily got the best chance in documentary yeah so i haven't got the betting odds for doc feature in in the doc or to hand but i do know that summer of soul is the i think it's about minus 200 and then one to two and then Summer of Soul was about seven to four, two to one, but that's drifted out to like five to two. So I'm I'm one hundred percent with you. By the way, on that, I th- sorry, um, not Summer of Soul, Flea <laughs> is five to two. I've just given you the 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 price for both um, there badly. I do apologise. Summer of Soul is like one to two, um, and then Flea is like five to two. Um, I think you're right. I think you make a fascinating argument that look, Flea gets all this praise and three nominations to go home empty-handed would be really disappointing and also like you said with the terrible situation that's going on in Ukraine it's more important now than than ever to sort of understand refugees the crisis they're going through the horror it must be to have to flee your own country um so yeah I think flee is is an interesting contender in that category but my sort of tip to craig is mitchell's versus the machines at 10 to 1 so amy that pretty much brings us to the end of this episode um i've i've had an absolute blast it's been really good to to recap bafta and choice and look at the director category as well so thank you so much for joining us on the fifth episode of this Road to the Oscars series. Amy, it has been wonderful to have you back on. Um, I'm so happy with how well things are going. I love following you on Twitter and Instagram, etc. Please remind the listeners where they can find you. Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Films with Amy. All the links to my uh, the websites that I write for are in my bio there. Fantastic. And do... 
make sure you follow Amy and you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Film Is Worth It. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Is It Worth It, the film review podcast please do also email the show with your thoughts on this episode please email the show at ww hang on yes no i don't know what i'm saying please email the show at my mail is worth it at is it worth it podcast.com oh it's it's my brain's frazzled um that email address again my mail is worth it at is it worth it podcast.com you would think i'd be able to read but this whole oscars race has just frazzled me and only 11 more days and then we're, we're done. The road to the Oscars will be complete. You can find all our extensive back catalogue where you're listening to the show right now or head on over to www.isitworthitpodcast.com. Um, just to say briefly, Craig has just published an amazing article about where you can watch all of this year's Oscar-nominated films. And this is on the website and is a really useful tool for anyone looking to catch these nominees before the big day. Right, we are coming into land. The next episode of Road to the Oscars is going to be a bit special as it's our predictions episode and we'll see Craig Fields returning behind the mic. Just want to say we have a very different approach to predicting these awards, so it could be an intriguing and fun episode. I, of course, will win and my predictions will all be right as I am supreme ruler of the world. Um, So, I've been David Long... She's been Amy Smith, and this has been Road to the Oscars. We will be back predicting Oscars incredibly soon. Thanks, Amy. Thank you.